Okay, here we are. We're on. Welcome to the Grace Top Podcast. This is Pastor Josh Hester. I'm your host, and today we're going to be talking about stress. This episode is exciting to me because, well, I, I live in the real world like you guys, and stress is, you know, uh, all over the place, constant, and uh, something we need to learn to process. And thankfully, the Bible gives us a lot of good tips. And uh, first, we're going to talk talk about the fact that stress is not something that has a simple answer because in some ways it's a good thing. There are basically two sides of this coin and two extremes that we can go to and then a balance in the middle. So uh, psychologists say there's either no stress, there's eustress, or there's de-stress. And I think we know what no stress is, right? It's, uh, you're not doing anything. <laughs> uh, stress is in the middle and de-stress is uh, what you're feeling when you're overwhelmed, when you can't handle life. And in the middle is eustress. It's the idea that there is stress that is actually good for you. A little bit of stress helps you process things. It helps you grow. If you're, let's say, a new employee at a job and you don't get any assignments and they don't train you at all and you're not learning anything, you're going to be so bored and feel no sense of accomplishment to the place that you'll probably actually not be as healthy and not be as successful and not feel as successful. You won't grow as much, etc., etc. It won't be good. In the same way in your spiritual life. If there's no stress at all, if, if you're not growing, if you're not on a journey, if you're not learning, right, then, well, you're probably not going to have a sense of accomplishment, a sense that you're happy you're in this process. And so just from what I just said, you can tell that the word stress, it kind of has a taboo. Even when I say that, it sounds like it doesn't make sense. It doesn't sound like when I'm a Christian, I should have some stress or, or when I'm trying to know God, I should have some stress because we think stress isn't necessarily wrong. But stress isn't. What's necessarily wrong is what would be called de-stress, right? Overstressed. If you started a new job and they immediately gave you your full load plus extra, plus they haven't trained you and you don't know what you're doing, this is de-stress. You're frantic. You're overwhelmed. I I like to go to the gym. And uh, if you work out the same muscle group more than maybe twice a week, probably you're going to go into de-stress. This is where your muscles are torn down so much that your body can't recuperate that strength. And instead of growing muscle mass, instead of getting stronger and healthier, you're probably going to actually deteriorate and not grow as much as you'd like. Instead, you want what's called eustress. So this is going to the gym Um, you know, four or five times a week and balancing your exercise so that you get different levels of um, exercise for different body parts. And then those body parts can grow based on your strength, based on your levels. And it's the same in our spiritual life, right? We shouldn't expect that the first day I grow, I I know God, that first I'm going to be the strongest Christian, the healthiest Christian, the most balanced Christian I'll ever be, and that I'm going to know everything. And also, I shouldn't expect that God's going to put me in the most intense situations. And what I mean by that is oftentimes when we first want to follow God, we we are gung-ho. You know, we want to just change the world right now. But the problem is we can't handle those types of high-level, important situations. Um, But the truth is, most of the time, we're not dealing with that spiritual type of stress. We're just dealing with real-life stress, dealing with family, dealing with school, dealing with work, dealing with our spouse. These things are real. 
and we bring these things to God. And the good thing is the Bible does have a lot of perspective on stress, tons and tons and tons. Uh, one of them that points us to the fact that stress isn't all bad is that if you look at the Psalms, I mean, David, who wrote uh, about a third or maybe 50% of the Psalms, he is all over the place. In one moment, he's praising the Lord, and in the next, he's down in the pits. And there are different types of psalms. Some of them are just praising the Lord, and some of them are just asking for help. Some of them are just talking about the, going against his enemies. But many of them are, he he's opening up to God about his stress and his overwhelming situation. And then immediately, he he turns to, okay, I'm, I'm praising the Lord. And this shows a little bit of the process that David went through, but we'll get more into that a little bit more. But what it does show us is that stress is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, think about it. David, who in many ways is one of the, the you know the mountaintop characters of the Bible, he went through a stress, horrible stress in some moments that was overwhelming, difficulties that he could hardly handle. And that inspired him to write texts that today we still read. In other words, God used his stress to help us today. Sometimes our stress, uh, the situation we're in, it's hard to see how it will affect the people around us and those who will come maybe 1,000, 2,000, or 3,000 years later. We don't, we don't know. And yet there is a bigger purpose to this. Also, there's another section of the Bible that kind of gives us a little interesting perspective on this. And that is, if you look at the Old Testament, part of the covenant was this concept of blessings and curses. That God dealt with the Israelites by saying, uh, if you are faithful to me, then I will be able to bless you. And if you are not faithful to me, the natural consequence is that you will be cursed. In other words, God separates himself from them. You see this with uh, Babylon, right? They end up going into Babylon into captivity. This is where you get the books, uh, for example, of Daniel and Ezekiel. These are people who were uh, in captivity. Uh, the nation of Israel had been overrun by Babylon because of their sin, because they didn't trust God. And so he removed his protection from them, and there were consequences. Now, of course, God would rather that, stress, that this type of situation not happen. Um, but because of our stubbornness, because of the reality of a sinful world, sometimes uh, stress or difficult situations is kind of a a last-ditch effort for God to try to reach us in our stubbornness. I know for me, it helps me realize that I am not um, it, I am not perfect. I am not always strong. For me, sometimes I get migraines. Um, I, I get aches when I'm really stressed. And it reminds me that, okay, is my heart in the right place here? Have I made wise choices? Uh, where am I at with things, right? So the blessings and the cursings in the Old Testament is basically God saying, I will cause stressful and difficult situations for you so that you will turn back to me. Because if you don't turn back to me, you're going to hurt yourself way worse in the long run, right? You will become like Sodom and Gomorrah, for example, right? Who's, whose thoughts were only evil continually. There is this just, there's a, a, a way that if, if God, if there weren't negative consequences to our poor decisions, that we would end up destroying ourselves completely. So God does kind of send the stress in some sense, right? And, and so maybe some of the stress you're going through is, isn't because uh, of just the natural situations in life, but because um, you've put yourself in these positions. And that's complicated to think about, but basically God allows this. Another thing to consider is the fact that God actually 
gives us stress specifically. The Bible says that he convicts us of sin and of righteousness, right? That when we pray to God and we ask him to work on our heart, and sometimes even before that, this idea of prevenient grace, that that God comes to us and, and his Holy Spirit works in our lives, and he speaks to us through nature, as Romans 1 and 2 talk about. He convicts us. He tells us we are wrong. This is stress, right? Not all sense of discomfort is evil. So the goal isn't to avoid all stress. As we mentioned before, there is no stress, which won't help you grow at all. And there's de-stress, which is too much. It's, you can't handle it. But there is eustress, which is um, EU stress, right? Eustress, this idea that there's a, a balanced level of stress that humans need to go through in times of growth and in times of, of, uh, of change, uh, of journeys. And the truth is, Although we are absolutely saved the moment we accept Jesus, we are not completely changed, right? I get a new heart and a new life um, My legally, right? God covers me. But as far as how I'm living in the world today, uh, I'm baptized, let's say, and I give my heart to Jesus. Um, but the next day, I still wake up with some of the same tendencies. It's unique how God, you know... If, some things he just takes away, some sin, some difficulty, some stress, he just takes it away. But sometimes he doesn't. And it's much, very much a journey. And it's not easy. And although God absolutely understands that, and he, Jesus said that, you know, when he left, he would send the comforter. If you haven't heard that before, you know, definitely read about that in Matthew um, and other texts where the Bible says that that Jesus will send the comforter, that the Holy Spirit is there to comfort us, that he, he will never leave us or forsake us. God is with us. And yet that journey is part of the growth where I myself am actually changed, right? From faith to faith, faith from glory to glory. I, I, I'm changed. I, I learn more about God and my character is actually changed. And unfortunately, I'm stubborn. I'm slow to learn. Uh, my, uh, I'm, I'm thick, you know, thick skull. <laughs> I don't know if any of you are, but I don't change that easy. It got, you know, it takes God a lot of work to get to me, right? Um, but there's no there's no um, question that not all stress is good, right? Oftentimes we are led astray by the sins of our heart, by our own uh, lust, right? As James says, we're we're led astray or pulled into evil by our own lust, and then there are consequences, and those consequences were not necessarily what God wanted. This was not Plan A, but Plan B is God allows the stress and the difficulty so that we don't end up with Plan. F or Z, which is way worse. God is trying to draw us to him, right? As the Bible says. So not all stress is good. Elijah, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, he experienced stress on Mount Carmel. It's interesting because he has this huge spiritual moment. I don't know if you've been um, walking with the Lord any amount of time, but for me, I've noticed that in my spiritual life, I'll have this awesome experience, you know, like a, some sort of prayer time, some sort of worship time, some sort of, uh, you know, I go out for a weekend with friends to camp and I'm praying and I'm reading the Bible or, or I was just converted and I'm like super on fire. And then oftentimes after every mountain, there is a valley. By definition, mountains, well, between them, there's a valley. And emotionally, there, I, all of that excitement is actually a form of stress. And if I also have negative stress in my life and I'm also dealing with my own my own sense of value, which by the way, you see Elijah going through in this story, 
he says he should be destroyed just because he's not any better than any of his fathers, right? He's, he didn't meet the, the mark, even though he just stood against arguably 850 false prophets. God did a miracle in front of him. He changes uh, the history of Israel in a very real way. And then he's immediately terrified uh, by someone chasing him. He goes off and he hides. I mean, he's, this guy is afraid he's going to die even though God just did all those things. That's often what happens. We, we have these high spiritual moments, and then we find ourselves with stress, difficulty, and we don't know how to deal with it. And it's interesting. If you read the story of Elijah, right, in the Old Testament, you will see that this man in first, uh, let me find the verse really quick for you. First Kings, um, yeah, first Kings 19 verses four through, first Kings, yeah, first Kings four, First Kings 19 verses four through eight. I'm going to read these two because it's really interesting. This is Elijah and this is what he said. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he asked that he might die. A little dramatic. He said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Okay, so this angel comes and gives him food. Uh, and he looked and behold, there was in his hand a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. Verse seven, and the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, arise and eat for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. It's interesting. God's prophet is so stressed that he thinks he should die. He's laying down by a creek. I mean, this guy is not in a good place. And the angel of the Lord, literally, this is an angel, God's servant, coming to a prophet. And what does he do? He says, lay down, here's some food, here's some water. You need to take a nap. I mean, how ironic is that, right? How This is a story in the Old Testament of a man who served God and the answer to his stress well, you're physically depleted, my brother. You need some food. You need some water. You need to take a nap. Oftentimes as Christians, and I, man, I can't, you know, overstate this enough. Many times as Christians, we become, my, my dad has a statement that uh, we become so spiritually minded that we're no uh, earthly good, or we could become so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good, that we don't realize like the reality of living in a human body. You're, yeah, you're Christian. Good. Praise the Lord. You're walking in faith. You're learning. You're trusting. But like if you don't drink water and eat food and take a nap and eat healthy food and drink good, clean water, you know, well, I don't care how sincere you are. Your physical body is not going to be working right. You're not going to feel good. And so, so sometimes the answer to why you're stressed isn't you need some spiritual awakening. It's, well, you've gone through a lot recently, right? Elijah had gone through a lot, a lot of good things. He did work for the Lord, right? If you go on a mission trip, let's say, let's say you go on a mission trip uh, and you go, I, for example, I went to um, Honduras and we we worked and we built this, um, this like laundry place for these kids at an orphanage. It was awesome, super spiritual time. We did worships, we talked with the kids, we built, we helped, and it was organized so we weren't getting in the way. I think it was a very good trip. But you know what? Afterwards, I was exhausted. And it would have been silly for me to say, well, why am I, why am I feeling so tired and stressed after this? Well, it's because, it's because you just did all this work and you're a human, right? You're, you're not God. 
Um, I'm a pastor, right? And and so I preach on the weekends. And I got to tell you, usually after I preach that afternoon, I'm tired, especially if I preach and then we go and we, we do activity and we do outreach. Or I'm tired afterwards. It doesn't matter that it was a spiritually good thing. Spiritually good things tire you out. Just like if you go to the gym, you do a great workout. Well, you need to rest your body so that it can heal. And so we as humans are spiritual beings that are also physical beings. We need to take care of both sides of us. We need to take care of both sides of that reality or else we're not going to be balanced. So, you know, uh, too much without healthy things from God would have been disastrous for Elijah. And that's how it is for us, right? You can't give, give, give and not receive, right? You can't work and not relax and, uh, and take a break sometimes. In fact, some people work so hard that they end up dying or getting sick early before they should. So anyways, uh, there's balance in the Bible when it comes to stress. Stress is not a good thing or a bad thing necessarily. It's compared to who you are and compared to what the stress is causing in your life. Is this a, a stress that's helping you grow, that is balanced, that is causing you to uh, uh, build more muscle spiritually, so to speak? Or is it breaking you down so much that you can't handle it, that you that you can't make it through. So this is the general rule, right? Now there are exceptions, right? There are martyrs. There are times when God calls you to sacrifice in the long term, of course. But the general rule of thumb is to be balanced. If there are extreme moments, right? Like you, you read uh, the, the faith chapter in Hebrews, and it talks about all these amazing things that people did. And at the end, it definitely talks about people who stood up for Jesus so intensely that others killed them. In fact, the whole Christian story is based on the fact that Jesus was willing to give himself against uh, people spitting and beating him, tearing out his beard, uh, whipping him, and ultimately crucifying. He stood against all of that, took the, the shame and, and the stress, basically, the, the destruction. And that was for a larger cause that he knew God was calling him to, that he was willing to lay his life down for this. And so it's not that you never allow yourself to be injured for the sake of God's cause because you don't want to be stressed. That's not what I mean to say. I mean to say the general rule, the long-term thinking rule, the, the I'm going to be here for 50 years rule is I need to be balanced so that this stress will cause me to grow and to learn and to go farther in my journey. Not so much that I overdo it and burn myself out, which is what many new Christians do. Don't allow yourself to be burned out because what's often happening is you've just become a Christian and you're excited and you have this sense that you need to do everything to save everyone all at once. And if you don't, you're not a good Christian. No, no, no. You need to walk with Jesus, right? Ephesians 2 tells us that God prepared good works for us beforehand, that we should walk in them. So you need to know where God is leading you. You need to take time to listen, to grow, to heal, so that you can walk on that path that he has for you. All right, so now we're going to go through a few Bible verses that I think really speak to this. And we're going to start with Jesus because I think that's the best place to start. Matthew 6, 25. Now, you've maybe heard this story. And so I want you to think about how this relates to the concept of stress. Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? 
And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So you've probably heard that text before. But I want to point out that we're technically talking about anxiety here, right? And basically anxiety is like this this looking into the future and feeling stressed about that. My assumptions, my doubts, my concerns about the future and what that means for me right now. And and it's a sense of I need to be prepared for the future, right? I, I need to get ready. I need to, what will happen? How can I be? And some people live with this sense of thinking of the future, right? So some of it is about, what things that Jesus pointed out, right? Our, our clothing, about our food. And ultimately that's the primary, like if you boil down a lot of your stress, it's like, how am I going to survive? Have enough food, have enough money, get through this situation. So Jesus points to a couple of things. The birds that live because God gives the grain and the birds survive. They have enough. And, and the lilies of the field, flowers that literally do nothing. They, they are just growing from the ground. They don't move. They can't run around. And yet they are absolutely beautiful. I wanted to stop there for a second because there's a sense of beauty and goodness in you that is because God created you. There's a sense of value there, right? And you are much more valuable much more beautiful than a flower. And that sounds so corny when I say it out loud, but it is so true. It is so true. You are more beautiful than a flower and you don't even realize it. If you realize the way that God sees you, that you are his child, I wonder how much of your stress would go away, right? Jesus says, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, right? Grass, flowers, all this stuff is gone every season at the longest, right? Let alone 70, 80, 90 years like you. If these things are gone so fast, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, right? This therefore tells us that we're not anxious, not because of a random choice or a believe in yourself. No, no, no. Believe in who God made you to be. That number one, he will give you the things you need. And number two, you are valuable in his eyes. You are much more valuable than a small bird or um, flowers of the field. And God takes care of those things, right? He will take care of you too. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I like how it says that at the end because a lot of anxiety, like I said, well, anxiety in by its nature, but a lot of stress is thinking about the future, right? Worrying about the future. And Jesus's point here is, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Okay, first is right now. So what? where should my mind be right now in this exact moment? Right now, my mind should be on the fact that God is going to take care of me. The fact, God, seek ye first the kingdom of God. What is God doing? Where is God's hand at? What is the Holy Spirit calling me to? Put your mind at ease in these things. For example, if God is calling you to do X, Y, Z, 
Well, now you've just pointed out things that God has called you to do. If he's called you to do it, you know he has a plan and you know he's going to take care of you and he's going to give you the things you need. And so I know it sounds you know simple, but man, practicing it can be difficult. It's like when you're super stressed out, so the clothes, right, how the flowers are clothed, right? Okay, when I'm worried about I don't have enough money to buy winter clothes this winter or etc. like, yeah, that's stressful. It's hard to, in that moment, say, you know what? God took care of the flowers all summer. He's going to take care of me this winter. But it's that choice to do that. Uh, and we'll get back to choice in a second, but First uh, Peter 4.12 is another verse I wanted to point out. First Peter 4.12, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised at fiery trial. There's a lot of reasons Christians go through trial. Some of it's because they're Christians, because they uh, stand for Jesus, because they don't stand for the world, because they want to grow and it makes others envious. Could be a lot of things like that. Also because we're in a world that's difficult, right? You and I live in a sinful world and we're sinful people. And every day that we don't put our trust in Jesus, we're liable to lead, go astray and put ourselves in difficult situations. But Peter said to not be surprised. And, and I point this out because this is Peter after Jesus has risen. He's a, he is a spiritual leader of God, right? I mean, biblically speaking, he is one of the, you know, mountaintops again. And this man is saying, don't be surprised if it's difficult. What, sometimes when we become Christians or when we're thinking about what Christians are like, we assume their life should be easy. But the Bible never promised that. That was never an assumption the Bible made. That's assumption we make because we want it to be that way. We hope it's that way, but it's not. Because on a sinful world, humans need stress oftentimes to grow because we're stubborn and sinful. Um, and because, well, we don't live in a bubble. We live in a world where we're supposed to be like EMTs or firefighters, where we're going in to help people, right? We're supposed to serve the world, reach out, extend ourselves. And this means even by that, that we're going to go through stress. So the next text that I look like to look at is James 1 verses 2 through 4. It says this, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials of all kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Count it all joy. Yeah. So, you know, let's say that you're, you know, you don't have clothes for winter. You should be happy. Yay. Well, the point is, like I said, it's hard for me. I don't know about you, but it's hard for me sometimes to trust God. And when I'm going through difficulties, um, it reminds me of my weakness, of my brokenness, of my lack. And it pulls me, it draws me to make a choice to trust God or to not trust God. And when I choose to trust him, he comes through and I see him work. I see his power. I see his goodness. And I can praise the Lord, right? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, right? When I go through difficult moments, it tests my faith. It kind of, well, just like you test a bridge, right? You put some weight on it to see if it holds. And when my faith holds, because Jesus is faithful, when his faithfulness holds, which is what that means, right? Well, that's going to pr produce steadfast. It's going to cause in me a desire to say, you know what? He, tr he came through for me. I can trust him. It's really awesome. So awesome when you get to see God come through for you in your life. So that's a good way to deal with stress, right? Is to trust God 
with the things you don't know. You need to do your part. Of course, like we're on a journey. God is on a journey with us, just like Abram and any of the other Bible characters. We're on a journey. You need to take the footsteps to get there. But that journey is God following through, doing his part, doing everything for you, giving you your life, your breath, and the needs you need today, right now. Easy to forget, but beautiful to realize. Uh, the next verse is Psalm 34, verse 4. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. I wanted to point this one out because I think it's so great to be a Bible verse to be memorized. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. There's a sense where we need to seek him. Um, partially because when I seek him and then he answers me, it's this like relational back and forth connection that I get to actually experience. It's not just, you know, some idea in a book somewhere. I'm actually seeing God respond in my life because I actually prayed specific things and he came through for me. And those things need to be according to his will, right? Like I can't just, you know, Lord, make me a billionaire. You know, I don't get just to pray whatever I want because it seems good to me, even though it does really seem good to me, but no, um, it maybe wouldn't be looking at the broader things, things we don't understand. But if I pray according to God's will, he will answer and he will deliver me from all my fears. Not only the emotional fears, but the actual things that are terrifying. God will deliver. He's good. Uh, the next verse is Second uh, Corinthians 10 verse 5. It says this, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Okay, this one is so practical. Um, it's, it's so practical because you need to take your thoughts captive. Uh, my dad calls this self-talk, um, and uh, other psychologists do too, right? Like this idea that I have little words, little sentences, little ideas going around in my mind, right? So let's say, for example, that after I sing a song in public, random example, but I sing a song in public, a um, hundred people say it was great, but one person said, ah, oh, you were off tune in the chorus. I am going to probably keep that, that person's little negative statement, one out of a hundred, I'm going to keep that thought in my mind, and it's going to repeat, 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 and it's going to be emotionally to me as though a thousand people said it because I repeated it a thousand times, assuming that they were right, right? But that's not what we should do. So it says that we need to demolish the arguments and pretensions. How? Right? S using the knowledge of God, we take the cap we take the thoughts captive and make it obedient to Christ, obedient to the truth, obedient to God's way of love, obedient to the reality of who I am. So let's say someone says, Josh, you messed up on that song. Therefore you are, you know, and, and, th and that, that statement makes me feel like I'm not valuable. Okay. It might be that I was off tune, but is it true what it's making me feel? making me feel like I'm not valuable, making me feel like I don't have gifts and talents and like God hasn't called me. Is that true? According to Christ. If it is not true, I need to specifically state what the truth is because that is Christ. He is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I need to accept the truth. I need to emotionally live according to the truth and then tell myself, no, these thoughts you're having about yourself are not true. You are valuable. I'll give you a a very practical example, you know, open up a little bit here, but I, I, I was pretty short and I, I'm still short. <laughs> I, you know, I, but in, 
my freshman year of high school, I was five foot, foot tall, maybe four foot 11. I hadn't grown at all, basically. And I got made fun of a ton, a ton, a ton. And my dad uh, reminded me, he said, Josh, you're not a, a Hummer or a huge truck, but you're, you know, you're a Lotus Elise, right? Or you're a Porsche. He, he actually got a picture of a Porsche and printed it out and said, um, I don't remember what Bible verse he used, but it was one about how, you know, you're created in God in his image. And it, it's this amazing thing where I had to confront my fears and my doubts with the truth. And it actually changed how I felt because your feelings come from thoughts you believe. Now, sometimes those thoughts are things you thought, you know, 10 years ago, and now they've just become background assumptions and, and the way you view the world. But it is still a thought. It's, it's what your perception has been. It's a, a construct you've created about how you view the world. And so you need to take those constructs and you need to compare them to the truth as it is in Christ. Take it captive. That is one of the most practical, you know, uh, gifts of advice that I've ever received. Take that thought captive and just mold it, mold your reality to the truth and not to the assumptions and the difficulties and the negativity, negativity that you hear from others. It's just, man. And that's a process, of course, because, you know, the first time that I think uh, that I am valuable, it's like, yeah, but that, that, that thought about you're not valuable, you're dumb, you're, you're too short, you're whatever, you were off key, you, you should never sing again, whatever. Those thoughts are going to still pop up. And I still need to cut them off. But eventually, just like any um, addiction, honestly, which is a lot of what this is, it, it uh, the waves of those feelings get smaller and smaller. And I learn to live by the truth instead of by lies. Philippians 4.8 goes along with this. And I think it's a good one to memorize. Uh, there's actually a book called The 4.8 Principle. I would suggest it for anyone. Um, but it says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Focus on the good things, on the valuable things, on the honorable things. Now, it doesn't mean just the easy things, right? Uh, so an honorable thing you know, might be uh, winning a marathon because you decided that you wanted to push your body that way. Or or it might be going and talking to your friend about Jesus for the first time that you know they, they're struggling. And okay, that might be commendable. It's not easy. It's not emotionally uh, comforting, but it is absolutely a positive thing, right? Um, or about yourself and your value, right? Is it is it worth your time to obsess over little nitpicky details about yourself and to not even notice the great things, the gifts that God has given you. It's literally insane to only do that, right? To only see the negative in you. But how often do we do that? We're, we're so willing to judge ourselves when it comes to negative things, but not willing to judge ourselves when it comes to positive things. It's because we're not a fair judge. I think rather you should know Christ and know who you are in him and let him be the judge. You can let it all go. You don't have, that's not your job, right? So you take those thoughts captive under who Christ is, what his judgments are, what his perspective is, that you are a child of God. Um, and now, so, you know, we talked about a lot of things, but I think in a practical sense, you know, there are some takeaways that I like to point out. Number one is stress is about perspective, right? So th there might be like preloaded thoughts, thoughts you had when you were eight years old or five years old, thoughts that your parents yelled at you when they were angry or that a classmate told you, you know, uh, I was called a bubble head. I kind of have a big head, right? 
um, you, you know, if you if you've ever seen a video before, you're seeing this one, then you know that I kind of have a big head. And when I was a kid, man, people called me a bubble head. And you know those bobble heads that people put on a dashboard of a car? They called me those. You know, and okay, I had to think, and it actually hurt me a lot. But I've had to learn to say, first of all, even if that's true, it's not important. Okay. But secondly, it's really not that true. And thirdly, I still have other things about me that are are also attractive. So, but why am I not obsessed over those? So you have to take these thoughts captive and, and, and notice the perspective that you're having. Part of that is, let's say there's a, well, right now I'm, I'm sitting here in the United States and there is a war happening in Ukraine. People are literally dying and bombs are going off. And yet I don't feel stressed at all. I mean, of course, when I think about it, I feel, I feel compassion and I feel worried and I, I don't know what to do about it, but I'm not waking up in the middle of the night with night with you know nightmares or I'm not worried that a bomb's going to go off next door because my perspective is different my location is different my situation is different so a, a lot of this is about your perspective now imagine if you you know uh were just sitting in Ukraine thinking about the same things you know I was trying to make this video and I'm sitting in Ukraine well I I would be a Christian still. I would still recognize my value and, and say that God has a plan for my life. And it might be easy to say, I might still have a sense of stress, but hopefully I would pray that I could take those thoughts captive and say, I'm going to do my part and trust God with the results, right? So my perspective right now is super easy to control because I'm sitting in a safe spot. But I'm sure there are other Christians in Ukraine right now who, although their world is crumbling around them, they have a sense of peace, right? They have a sense of confidence in God because their perspective is different. They're taking everything into account, the full, broad perspective. Sometimes we get so zoomed in on our doubts and our difficulties that the stress can become much bigger to us than it really is, right? It's like if I hold up my hands to my eyes, all of a sudden the world seems so dark. But the reality is I'm just bringing one specific part of reality so close to my face that I can't see the difference. I can't see the rest of reality. So I need to sometimes step back and see the big picture. And as a Christian, the big picture always includes God's future plans and God's work in the past and, and the way that that affects reality today. He's worked in the past. He's taken care of me. He promises good things in the future based on those actions in the past. And he's with me now. So I can live differently than if I was alone. I'm not alone. Okay. Uh, and, and the next thing, the next point to take away is number two, stress can be preparing you for a journey or a job. So uh, just like exercising your muscles makes you stronger so you can lift heavier weights in the future. Part of this process of life is that I need stress sometimes, once again, because I'm in a sinful world, I'm lazy, I'm easily distracted, etc. I need stress to push me towards good things so that I become a better man. So let's say, for example, I pray to God that I want to become a teacher or I want to become a missionary. Well, how am I going to do that if I don't learn the information to become a teacher or if I don't understand the culture to which I want to be a missionary? But what if I'm lazy? What if I'm scared? What if, well, God will put me in circumstances, situations that will help me learn and grow and become that person that I've prayed I want to be because I've asked God to do that. So sometimes sometimes stress can be part of a journey. And it doesn't mean we need to go into de-stress where we're overwhelmed and we're doing so much we can't handle life. No, no, no. But it is, it is 
discomforting, you know, to lift weights. It does make your, your muscles ache and you might be a little sore the next day, but that doesn't mean that it's not good. Is it destroying my health in the long term? That's a different question. So, you know, stress can be preparing you for a journey. So take a bigger picture. Once again, back up, see the whole picture. And number three, memorize truths that ground you. So, you know, David wrote that he, I, I, I memorize your word or I write your law in my heart that I might not sin against you. There's a, a lack of faith, you know, that we live in sometimes because we don't have God's promises in our heart. And so when difficulties come, when those moments just slam against us, our first reaction isn't God's word or God's truth. Our first reaction is our negative thoughts, our doubts, the six, you know, the hands that are covering my eyes. They're the only thing I can think of. But if I have God's word in my heart, in my mind, if I know these truths, right? So this one that I mentioned, Psalm 34, verse four, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears, right? Um, you know, knowing God's word helps you when sometimes your own judgment fails you. Know God's word so you can get through things. So uh, another one was that, uh, you know, Peter pointed out, don't be surprised when you fall into various trials. Um, I don't know why, but it's like sometimes as Christians, we think we shouldn't live on planet earth anymore. But what was Jesus's life? His life was, he came from a perfect place and entered into a world of difficulty so that he could save us. And we as Christians who are called his disciples are actually called to some in some sense to go into stress, into difficulty. That stress should help us grow um, or help others grow. It may lead to our death, right? Like there are martyrs in the Bible and there are people who are definitely tortured and I mean, they, they were eaten by lions in the Colosseum. But they were willing to make that because they saw a bigger picture. And they, man, I'm amazed that sometimes when I read the stories of martyrs who literally were burned alive and yet they were singing while they were being burned alive. To me, that tells me their mind was on something else, right? They were able to escape the present moment because they saw a broader picture, right? They didn't just have their the situation covering their eyes. No, no, no. They were able to step back and see the full picture and say, yep, this is hurt, painful, this is hard, but I'm going to be with Jesus, right? God has a plan. This isn't the end. And that's what I would say today. Um, we live in a very complicated, stressful world. I mean, the world is so full, so busy, so fast. And yet there is a place of safety and it is Jesus. It is his word. It is his truth. And not just uh, escapism. No, no, no. It's take those truths into your life and compare, re compare your perception of reality to God's word. And you will be amazed at how you will start seeing things differently. It's not that the situation will change, but you will change. And all of a sudden, the perspective you have will change. And yes, it will be hard. Yes, it will be difficult. No person in the gym feels like somehow uh, gets rid of the pain in their muscles when they're lifting a heavy weight, but they have a different perspective. It's for a purpose. And God has a plan for your life. That's what I would say about all this stress. Just to remind you that God has a plan for your life. This is no accident. You were called with a purpose and God will complete the good work that he began in you. 
So God bless you as you learn to take stress to Jesus. So if you have any questions, be sure to comment, uh, to ask the questions, and perhaps I can answer them in a few in a future episode. Our goal here is to help people know Jesus more, right? And I think to apply God's word in a practical way. Ask any questions you have and join us in our next episode as we continue to try to know God more deeply. God bless you. Thank you.